Jesus said this, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Tribulation is another word for trouble. In this world, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to have conflict. You're going to struggle with your own brokenness. You're going to have trouble. And trouble will lead to disappointment. People are going to disappoint you. Circumstances are going to disappoint you. Your decisions will disappoint you. And you might even feel like God's disappointed you. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Scott. You sat off on a great positive note today. Well, there's hope. And the ending of these Beatitudes talks about the hope of God. This is, says, I'm going to give you bliss even when you're living in the middle of trouble. I've discovered that the biggest source of my personal disappointment is me. The things I choose, the way I think. My attitude affects my character, which determines my behavior. And my attitude has to be changed that no matter what happens with me, I know that God is in control. Now, here's the reason I struggle. I struggle based on these things. I struggle because I'm entitled, because I'm arrogant, because I'm full of pride. But there's hope and disappointment. Job said this, But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. God knows the reality of this world. He knows the reality of me. He knows the reality of trouble. And his promise that is in the face of disappointment, Jesus is overcoming. Jesus is faithful. There is hope. His name is Jesus. And this morning, we're going to dive into this passage, this last bit of the Beatitudes. And I've taught this several times through the years. However, this time is different. I, it seems the older I get, the more disappointment life seems to serve up. As a young preacher, I would declare that life is hard and life gets harder. So suck it up, buttercup. But now I'm in a place where my life, where sucking it up just ain't getting it done. It's hard. I need hope. I need stability. I need the bliss of God. This world has let me down, and I've let myself down, and I need hope. My relationships have not turned out as I'd hoped they were. I need hope. To quote the great theologian James Taylor, my body's aching and my time is at hand. Well, I don't need a sermon. I need some answers. And I think you, you're in the same place, that you don't need a sermon. You need to, the answers to face life's disappointments. I can find God, and I can find hope I need. Jesus said this, Blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, listen to me. You have no righteousness unless what God has given you through Jesus. So you're righteous because of Jesus, and you're persecuted because of him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So let's look at what Jesus says and, and, and what the half-brother of Jesus, James, says about changing your attitude. Attitude. attitude that would be a reptile. Attitude. That, uh, that you're facing the disappointments of life and the challenges of life. Because God wants you to live in his bliss, and that means changing your attitude. Father, thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. And I pray, Father, as we go through this process of looking at Scripture, that you will help us live life differently. Speak to these people. They need to hear from you and not from me. I thank you for this series that we've been on, these 
attitudes that we've looked at that are shaping our realities, changing our character, making our behavior look more like you. So help us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Again, I'm going to pause and encourage you, get in a group. You need a group. Form a group where you are. If you're in Nebraska, if you're in Michigan, if you're wherever you are, in Alberta, form a group, get in a group, and enjoy all of this. Remember, this is built upon, built upon. Today's Palm Sunday. There'll be no life group uh, this, this week, but we are going to be providing an online Good Friday experience for you. So I want you to lean in that. If you're local, we have a Good Friday drive through event. You can read more about that. Sign up for our email. Check our website. Step into a group. And again, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving. You can give now online as an act of worship. Do that for the glory of God. But let's look at these things. Your life matters. That's first of all. I want to tell you something. God has preordained your life, and your life matters. It's not some kind of thing that just exists and you're gone. I know that in this day and age, we say, Blue lives matter and black lives matter and whatever lives matter. But your life really does matter to God. God loves you enough to forgive you and to save you and to connect you into a family. God loves you enough to grow you so you can become like Jesus. God loves you enough to empower you so you can serve God by serving others. God loves you enough to allow you to share his love with the whole world in word and deed. This is, this is truly a life that, that honors God. It's connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. Your life really matters. How great the love of the Father is lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we really are. God uses your difficulties of your life to build your life. With that being said, how do I respond to disappointment? How do I respond to trials and tribulation? Well, this is what James said, the half-brother of Jesus. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's James 1, 2 through 8. So change the why to, the, to why God to, to what God. What are you doing? Go from why God are you doing this to saying, God, what are you doing? Because if you're persecuted for righteousness, you're persecuted for the namesake, God's up to something. So you say, God, what are you doing? Count it all joy. When you make trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Consider, or better said, count it. Consider it joy. Count it joy. The knowledge of various trials of their upcoming or their coming should prepare you for this attitude. Your attitude determines your outcomes. It shapes your character. Joy is based on the sovereignty of God. The bliss of God is based on the sovereignty of God. And the love of God is not on your circumstances are tied to your circumstances or to your disappointments. It's tied on the sovereignty of God. He is loyal. He is good. He is loving, regardless of what happens. He is working all things together, so you might be like Jesus no matter what happens. Now, your faith is going to be tested. It is. God wants to know your heart. And so he's going to allow your testing to stretch you and improve you. God left him, Hezekiah, to himself in order to test him to know all that was in his heart. You know, I've thought about this. 
that there's seasons in my life where I didn't feel the presence of God, and he was testing me to see if I turned to him. And sometimes I did, and sometimes I didn't. When I turned to him, it worked out really well. When I didn't turn to him, it worked out really well. Because God is causing all things to work together for good. He wants to see my heart is fully shaped on him. He wants me to be desperate for him. Remember we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Hungering from all the water? Thirsting for, uh, hungering for all the food? Thirsting for all the water? Thirsting for all of God? Hungry for all of God? This is, he wants to use the circumstances of our life to drive us to that kind of desperation all for him. To mourn over our sins. To be humble over our lives. To want spiritual righteousness to be evident in lives. To, to desire a pure heart. To be a peacemaker and truly love people and pursue peace. To, to, God wants us to value his blessing and he wants to develop your soul. And he wants me to serve others. Wow. So allow God to do his work in you. Don't wring your hands or get mad at God. Allow him to work in you. And let steadfastness have its full effect, James goes on to say, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Steadfastness is really patience. Enduring. Patience. Patience is not a passive endurance, but the courage to face difficulties and suffering. Patience is a gift from God given through the fire of adversity. The only way God can build patience in your life is for you to go through stuff. You to go through trials. Hmm. Patience is the key to every other blessing. God will not work through us until he's worked in us, and he will not work in us until we're surrendered to him. You could turn away from him in disappointment, or you could turn to him in surrender and find his bliss. Look at this process. God works in you in salvation. He works in you in salvation. He works in you for sanctification. In other words, making you like Jesus. Then he works through you for ministry. So often I've seen unbelievers lock themselves in the isolation of the prison of pride and disappointment and fail to live in the openness of community, thus levering their, leveraging their trials for a ministry to others. Your your mess, your misery becomes your ministry. Your mess becomes your message. God never wastes a hurt or a disappointment. He leverages it. So God tests us to bring out our faith. Satan tempts us to bring out our worst. God tests us to bring out our best. The full effect of patience is hope and joy, our bliss of God in the Holy Spirit. We live in God's bliss in spite of persecution. Okay, so what do I do? Ask God to help you. Ask him to help you. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously all without approach, will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Ask God to give you wisdom for the lessons to be learned and the truth to be shared and the ministry to be delivered. Ask him. The law of the repeat. God is in perfection, and so God will allow you to repeat things over and over and over till you learn to be perfected through it. 
If you find yourself making the same bad decisions or repeating the same sinful patterns, God's trying to teach perfection that you may change it. God will let you go through something again and again and again and again until you get it right. Pay attention to get it right. I suffer from being double-minded. I think this and I think this. I th want this and I want this. I need God to help me with my unbelief. And he will. He will. God gives me wisdom without judging my motives. Why? Because when you get godly wisdoms, your motives are going to be right. When he changes my attitude, my character is shaped and my behavior is different. That's the way God works. The God gives us, first of all, the wisdom to trust in him. That's the first step. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, to trust in him. Instability and immaturity, they go hand in hand. God wants to grow me up in him so I can have a stable mind, a mature mind, not a double-minded mind. Huh. Now I'm going to end this, and this is short, but I think it's a good short Sunday. I've said these things to you, Jesus said, that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know. I know what I'm going through. And I've decided to trust in Jesus. There was a season of my life where Tara and I lost everything we owned. Everything. Our house, our savings, everything. Two kids in college were completely bankrupt. I remember driving down a canopy road in Tallahassee, Florida, tears streaming down my eyes, and said, God, I don't care what you do. I'm going to serve you. I don't care what you do. I'm going to serve you. In the middle of that, that season of terrible trial, as Tara and I were hoping and trusting in the Lord, there was this church in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, that was considering me to be their pastor. In spite of me being a dumpster fire, they called me as their pastor. And God delivered us to Canada, where we had an incredible ministry. And I love, love those Canadians still so much. And if you're a Canadian listening today, I love you, eh? And I realized during that trial, God was saying, Scott, are you really going to trust me? Because Bubba, I'm about to take you out of Florida and put you into Canada. You're going to need a jacket. You have to start wearing socks. So all of those things, the adjustment of life. But you know what we found in Canada? Love, restoration, hope, loving people, incredible ministry opportunities, the richness of life, restoration of finances. God did it all there. Because in the middle of the trial, we turned and trust in Jesus. And since that time, there's been other trials. Tara and I have to turn and trust Jesus. We have to hold on to him. Because there's no other way to live, y'all. Bliss of God is endurance under tribulation. And it comes by Jesus holding on to you. And he does. Trust me. Been there. Done that. All for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for how pointed and good your word is. And here on this Palm Sunday... We can realize that you are entering into our lives as the Prince of Peace. And I pray, O oh God, that we will be different, that we will have the attitude of Jesus, that we'll mourn over our sinfulness and desire a pure heart and live no matter what the circumstances of life bring us. 
offer you King Jesus. Father, I realize there's some today that need to trust you as Lord, that they can give their lives to you by whispering, Jesus, I'm yours. Father, I realize there's some right now that are going through amazing, hard, difficult trials, sickness, divorce, discouragement, rebellious children, uh, financial ruin. Oh God, I pray you show yourself strong to them and let them find your bliss and a way through their troubles as they hold on to you. And help us to hold on to each other, Father, to live in biblical community that makes life rich. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. I want to conclude by giving you a challenge. We talk about life groups because you need a life group. Life is hard and it's not meant to live alone. You need to get involved. You need to get plugged in. Don't just be a watcher, be an engager and live all for Jesus. And remember, I love you.